0: Yes, indeed. And the title of today's message is, Helps for a Happier New Year. I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, where we learn some very important truths and principles that can really help you and me and all of us to have a more blessed and happier New Year Here is what the Word of God says from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching his message. And by the way, this is of course referring to the first century in the time of Jesus. We don't know the exact year, but it may have been around 26. The year was possibly 26. So he came to the wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. Yum, yum, yum. (laughs) People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to to watch him baptize, he denounced them. "'You brood of snakes,' some of your Bibles might say, "'you brood of vipers. "'You brood of snakes,' he exclaimed, "'who warned you to flee God's coming wrath. "'Prove by the way you live "'that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. "'Don't just say to each other, "'We're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. "'That means nothing, for I tell you, "'God can create children of Abraham from these very stones.'" Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Let's pause right there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this portion of your Holy Bible. And Lord, I pray that as we we focus on these verses, as we share this message, I pray that you'd open up, open up our minds and hearts to truths that you want us to know, you want us to feel, you want us to act upon in our individual lives And in so doing, bring honor and glory to you, and also experience a more blessed and happier new year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, my friends, the first help for a happier new year that I want to direct your attention to is this. Number one, repent of your sins and turn to God. This is obviously very straightforwardly coming out of verse 2 where John the Baptist says, Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is what John proclaimed. What does it mean? What does it mean to repent? Well, it means you and I are sincerely sorry for our sins, sorry for the wrongs that we have done, wrongs against God, wrongs against other people perhaps. It also means that we are determined, we are determined to stop what is wrong, to stop the sin, whatever it might be. Repentance is a a turn from evil to God with a corresponding change in action. It's not just feeling sorry for our wrongdoing, but there needs to be a change. And John was fully within the tradition of his people when he demanded that his hearers should bring forth fruit suitable for repentance. One Bible scholar says, Jews held the true repentance issues, not merely, not merely in a sentimental sorrow, but in a real change in life. And so do Christians. Jews held that true repentance brings forth fruits which demonstrate the reality of the repentance. And so do Christians. In the Bible elsewhere in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, we see the emphasis and the need for us, for any one of us to stop sinning. Those verses say this. Well then... Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? That's what the word of God says. To repent also means that we are willing to sincerely ask God. This is all tied up together. It means we're willing and wanting to ask God to forgive us for those sins. Let's go back to uh, to Matthew 3 verse 2 once again where you see it on the screen as well. Read it out loud in unison. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, what does, what does for the kingdom of heaven is near mean? Well, we could have a very long discussion on that but essentially I believe it could mean this. It could mean your connection Your connection to the God of heaven is really close and possible. It could also mean that God's rule, God's rule or God's sovereignty in your life can happen very soon as you repent, as you surrender your heart and life to the Lord. And so here's the question. Have you repented of your sins and turned God, It's so wonderful. If not, make this the day, make this the occasion when you repent and turn to God. This will help you to have a happier new year because when a person repents of their sins, you don't have to live with any more guilt. You've turned it over to the Lord and he has forgiven you. He's forgiven you. And you can say, I am forgiven because God declares it. And when you turn to God, you are placing your life, you're placing yourself and you're placing your life in the hands of God. And so you can say, I'm in the Lord's hands. Where he leads, I will follow. Whatever happens to me and to my family this year, I know I'm in the Lord's hands. And so I'm in good hands. Amen? Brother Mohammed, I'm in good hands. You're in good hands. Radio listeners, when you repent of your sins, put your faith and trust in Jesus, you turn to God, radio listeners, you're in good hands. In fact, you're in great hands. And so I encourage all of us today to repent of our sins and turn our minds and hearts towards God wholeheartedly and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. There's a second truth that I believe can help you have a happier and more blessed new year, and it is this. Allow God to use you to encourage others to repent and turn to God. I recognize that God had a very special calling for John the Baptist. But there is a sense in which God calls all of us, he calls you and me, to encourage others to repent and to turn to God. Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That's recorded in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Through your witnessing, through your love, through your Christian example, someone may end up believing in Christ and eventually be in heaven because of you. When you help someone find their way to heaven, it's a happier new year for you and for them. Now stick with me. Just a few days ago on December the 30th of 2015, the day before the last day of the year, I got a long distance phone call from a lady in Halifax who said she was all excited. She said, "Pastor Nick, I'm flying into Toronto on New Year's Eve. I'm arriving there at 10.30 p.m. I need to fly out of Toronto on New Year's Day in the afternoon to get to Kansas City. But she said, I would love, I would love to see you and your wife, Cindy, for the brief time that I am in Toronto. It was many, many years, or it had been many, many years since we we had seen this dear lady. And the person who called from Halifax was Noreen. Some of you saw her here at the New Year's Eve service. Noreen had been a young lady in our church who soon after getting married moved with her husband from Toronto to Halifax about 27 or 28 years ago. Noreen's flight from Halifax arrived in Toronto on New Year's Eve, and she told me later that evening that she got to our New Year's Eve service at about 11 p.m., which had started at 10.30. Now here is why I'm telling you about Noreen. After our New Year's Eve service was over, she's a very friendly woman, and she was talking with a lot of people, after our New Year's Eve service was over, I heard her talking with someone, and she said to them, she said, I became a Christian at this church. She said, I became a Christian at this church. I thought about what Noreen said, and I've asked myself, I wonder, I wonder who it was in our church that encouraged Noreen to repent, turn to God, and to become a solid Christian over 28 years ago. I thought, I wonder who it was. It could be, it could be, that one of you sitting in this sanctuary here today was instrumental in helping Noreen to become a true follower of Christ back when she was a teenager. I don't know exactly, I can't remember exactly who led her to Christ. I do know, I do know that my wife Cindy discipled her by meeting with her each week for several months to do basic Bible studies and to pray with her and to help her learn the Bible. But I, I'm still saying to myself, I wish I had asked her the question. I wish I had said to her, Noreen, do you remember who led you to the Lord since you found Christ in this church? Well, Noreen, Noreen slept over at our house on New Year's Eve, and my wife and I had a wonderful brief visit with her on the morning of New Year's Day before she had to leave for the airport to get to Kansas City. And by the way, the reason she was going to Kansas City was to attend a worship conference. That not that wonderful? Way down the road after becoming a Christian, she's going to a worship conference. What I'm saying, my friends, is When you or I help someone to become a Christian, we never know the long-term impact upon a person. Amen? And I want to say thank you to the person who witnessed about Christ to Noreen probably over 30 years ago now. Thank you to my wife Cindy for discipling her Thank you to various Sunday school teachers who taught Noreen in your Sunday school classes. Some of you teachers probably remember. Thank you. And I want to say to us, let us open up our minds and hearts throughout this year and say, Lord, I want to allow you, I want to allow God to use me to encourage others to repent and turn to God and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's move along. Here's a third help for a happier new year, and it is this. Read it it from the big screen with me. Get rid of selfishness and self-indulgence in your life. A self-indulgence is basically thinking primarily about yourself and what will bring you the most pleasure and the, the greatest benefit. It's, it's kind of like me, 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 me. And um, some of you might be wondering where Pastor Nick gets this truth from in the verses that we read. Pastor Lisa's sitting there thinking, where in the world does he see that? Aren't you, Pastor Lisa? Well, it comes, it comes from what we are told in verse 4. Read verse 4 with me. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. Now what verse 4 basically tells us is that John the Baptist lived a very simple life. His clothes were durable, economical, and fit for desert life. You know, it just occurred to me, as I'm thinking about this, this point, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm kind of glad I don't have a brand new suit on today. I, I, think, I, think, I, I think I've had this suit even from before, before we moved to this new church back in, 2003, so. Anyway, that doesn't make me extra holy, by the way. (laughs) Anyway. um, Anyway, his, his clothes, John the Baptist's clothes, were durable, economical, and fit for desert life. And I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that you and I adopt John's type of wardrobe. What verse four is telling us is that John didn't let himself get overly caught up with the fanciest and most expensive fashions of his day. You got it? He didn't get caught up with all the fanciest and most you know expensive fashions of his day. Now, the second part of verse four says, for food he ate locusts and honey. Now, that is probably not uh, a a complete summary of John's diet, but it was probably something that he ate quite regularly. Most of you know probably that locusts are a type of grasshopper with flying capability. John probably, probably, you know, when he'd collect the locusts, he probably threw out the locusts' little legs and wings And then he roasted. He roasted or baked them with a little salt. How many of you tried it? I know you won't put your hand up. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. There. They're good, aren't they? Yes, they are. All right. All right. Yes, and last night I heard what an outstanding cook her husband is. Ethel's husband, Paul. Well, John, delighted to eat locusts. And I know that some of you are thinking, yuck, yuck, yuck. You know, don't ask me to eat grasshoppers. It might seem weird, right? It might seem weird to some of you, uh, but just remember, just remember there are a lot of Canadians who enjoy things like shrimp and mussels and oysters and frog legs and souse, and oxtail, and tripe, and chicken feet, and other unique foods. Right? Uh, Just for your interest, even today, Arabian tribes love eating locusts. And also, dried, dried locusts can be bought in some supermarkets in North America. If you want to know where, you just talk to Sister Ethel here. She maybe knows. She can, she can connect you with the freshest locusts. Okay? Now, verse 4 further tells us that John ate wild honey. This would have been the, the wild honey of bees found freely in the wilderness. Well... As you, think, as you think about John the Baptist's clothing and his diet, the main point is that by means of his simple lifestyle, John was a living protest. Do you get this? He was a living protest against all selfishness and self-indulgence. That's, that's what his dress and that's what his diet is same. Now I'm not suggesting we adopt John's clothing or diet, but I believe, I believe that John's example should inspire you and me to get rid of selfishness and self-indulgence. Amen. Come on now. Right? When you and I practice, when you and I practice unselfishness and generosity towards others and towards the Lord's work, I believe we will have a happier new year. Amen? I really believe that. Well, there's a fourth truth that can help you and me to have a happier new year, and it is this. Number four, walk the talk. Walk the talk. This is is what John told the the, the group of uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, starting in verse 7. Look at it. But when he, John, saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. By the way, don't make it standard practice to talk to people like that, okay? Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Here it is. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. God. Don't just say to each other we're safe or we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing for I tell you God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. It, he refers to them as, as snakes by the way or, or however your Bible translates it. But John, John was acquainted with the desert snakes. Though these snakes were rather small in size, they they were deceitful. In fact, at times, at times it was easy to mistake these little snakes for dead branches and suddenly they would strike. They would surprise people and they would strike hard and badly. And uh, it's important for us to notice what verse eight says. Read it out loud with me. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Dr. William Hendrickson shares this beautiful insight as he says this. He says, "'Repentance, if it is to be genuine, must be accompanied by fruit-bearing. "'A merely outward confession of sin will never do. "'A mere desire to be baptized as if this rite were a wonder-working charm "'has no positive value.' There must be, he says, there must be that inward change which expresses itself outwardly in God-glorifying conduct, fruit-bearing in keeping with conversion. And he says, according to Luke chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, this fruit bearing must include must include such items as generosity, fairness, thoughtfulness, and contentment. And according to Matthew 23, 23, it must include justice and mercy and faith. And in view of the manner in which the Baptist descriptively addresses these Pharisees and, and Sadducees, it must include uprightness, being upright. Amen? Uh, Notice again verse 9 where he said, don't just say to each other we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought that they were were in good with God because their history took them back to Abraham. That's what they thought. And verse 9 teaches us that there is always, there is always need of a warning that we cannot live, we cannot live on the spiritual capital of the past. An evil son or daughter cannot, cannot hope to plead the merits of a saintly father or a godly mother. Amen? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Are you, am I, living the truth of verse 8? Make a decision today to say, Yes, Lord, I am and I will walk the talk. Not just on Sundays, but on Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day of the week. Here's a fifth truth that can help you, can help us, have a happier new year, and it is this. Stay humble. Stay humble. Look at verse 11. It comes from there. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy. Okay, notice it on the big screen. I'm not worthy even to be his, that is Jesus' slave, and carry his sandals. Wow. Think about it, think about it. John could have allowed himself to become like a rock star or a movie star because he was was attracting a lot of people from all over the place. In fact, he was one of the first prophetic voices after, 40, after 400 years, for some reason, a period of 400 years or so had passed since there had been an, a, another great prophetic voice. And now John the Baptist attracted all this attention and, and he could have let it go to his head. He could have thought, wow, am I great or what? What? Look at all the people coming to me, wanting me to baptize them. But he remained humble. He remained humble. How many of you, how many of you have watched, some, at least sometimes, the TV program called The Voice? The Voice, which is a competition between singers. Put your hand up for me. Okay, a lot of you have. What's the first name of the gentleman who won the competition this year? Jordan. What was his last name? Smith. I think that was his last name. Anyway, The Voice is is a program that I that I have been really surprised by, and I have tried to watch. I We'll often set the TV to record it so that I can watch it at some point in time. I've been amazed. I've been amazed with the outstanding singers that are out there. And the young lady you heard this morning in church is one of them. Amen? Amen? But anyway... <clears throat> um, when, when, I, when I saw the first episode, I think it was the first episode of The Voice this year, and I saw this young man sing, saw and heard him, I'm pretty sure I afterwards said to my wife, I said, honey, that young man has a serious chance of winning this whole competition. He was just outstanding. And what's also wonderful is he turned out to be a Christian gentleman, he, he, he sang several hymns in the competition and, and the crowd went wild. I thought, how are they gonna to respond to him singing this beautiful hymn? And, and they were thrilled, they were thrilled. Anyway, the reason I mention Jordan and the voice is because throughout the competition, if you watched it like over, I don't know, how, how many weeks it was on, but if you watched it, the judges repeatedly said, Jordan, we can't believe with the incredible gift of music that you have, the, the repeated way in which you astound us every week with your singing. They said, We can't believe how humble you have remained. And I thought, What a beautiful testimony for a singer who clearly communicated that he was a Christian and he was not allowing all the stardom to go to his head. Praise God, praise God. So I wanna say to you, stay humble. There is something beautiful about a person who is humble. It's wonderful to have great accomplishments But through the journey of life, stay humble and say, thank you, Lord, for whatever you allow me to accomplish. And here is the sixth and the last truth I want you to share. I want to share with you as another help for a happier new year, and it is this. Seek to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this comes from the latter part of verse 11 where John the Baptist says, he, referring to Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word word baptize basically means he will immerse, just as when we baptize for repentance, we immerse someone in the baptismal tank to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reference to fire speaks of the cleansing, the cleansing work that the Spirit of God does by cleaning us up on the inside through his, through his power and grace and mercy. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus says, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized. My friends, I want to encourage each of us, each of us to say, Lord, Lord, I want to be baptized with your Holy Spirit. In the Church of the Nazarene, we believe that, that the the main sign of being baptized, the main sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is a deeper and greater love and devotion to our Lord and a greater and deeper love for other people. It's a part of holiness. It's a part of be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. And so I want to encourage us To say, Lord, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Or fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to live my life throughout this year in and through the presence and the power and the purity of your Holy Spirit. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the truths that we uncover. And there there are so many more truths in this passage. Thank you for the truths that we uncover from this part of your holy Bible. And Lord, I pray that you would use one, two, three, four, five or six of them to make a spiritual difference in the lives of your precious and wonderful people gathered here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene I pray that you would use these truths to make a difference in the lives of our wonderful radio listeners across Toronto and beyond. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can have a more blessed and beautiful and happy new year. And I believe, Lord, that you can use these truths to enrich our lives Not only today and tomorrow, but throughout each week of this year. Let it happen, dear Lord. Let it happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.